LifeMates, the Love Fitness Program for a Lasting Relationship by Harold H. Bloomfield, MD, and Sira Vitis, PhD, with Robert B. Corey. Chapter 1. Love Fitness, a Personal Challenge. Few people recognize how out of shape they are when it comes to intimate communication and therefore their ability to love. Most of us are afraid of letting others know who we really are and what we really feel, and yet we also expect that a great relationship should be easy to achieve. Couples in terrific relationships often evoke comments such as, they are so lucky, or of course they're, they've got a super relationship, they were made for one another. The implication is that great relationships are found, not created. Question those couples, however, and you will discover their secret to lasting, passionate love, overcoming their fears of heart-to-heart -heart communication. You don't have to be a psychiatrist to diagnose the discouragement and frustration that abound in relationships today. Many women are angry at men who don't listen or can't express feelings. Many men remain fearful of self-disclosure and do not understand what women want. It seems to be the rule for relationships to begin with stars and rockets only to fizzle in boredom and resentment. Many people who were once deeply in love eventually give up on one another through either divorce or resignation to a relationship devoid of passion. Although the primary cause of this frustration is an unacknowledged fear of sharing deep feelings, we remain optimistic. We believe you and your lover can initiate a breakthrough in your relationship by learning to open up to one another as never before. The therapist, as therapist and personal growth seminar leaders, we have witnessed the pain of broken or passionless relationships. We understand how people resist change, particularly when it comes to revealing their deepest feelings. For most people, however, we do not recommend lengthy therapy as an antidote. Rather, we offer a new approach to creating, building, and sustaining relationships that not only lasts, but thrives. The LifeMates Fitness Program. Communication problems in most relationships stem from emotional habits learned in childhood from parents who themselves had difficulty expressing feelings. Unfortunately, mere understanding of how you were emotionally programmed by your parents is usually not enough to precipitate a change in your emotional behavior. To overcome this limitation, we have developed a series of emotional workouts to retrain emotional responses. This book presents a program of these exercises to develop love fitness, a psychological strength and communication skills to sustain a close, passionate love relationship. Over the past decade, there has been a resurgence of interest in fitness. Many people now recognize that the rewards of getting in shape, improving diet, and giving up destructive habits such as excessive drinking or smoking far outweigh the effort and sacrifice required. So too, we are confident that the time has come for people to apply the same principles of self-improvement to their love relationships. Mere wishing won't bring you a life mate or enliven an established relationship. There is much you can accomplish with the right emotional workouts to make the changes you desire, both in how you respond to your lover and how he or she responds to you. Great relationships are created, not simply found.
Most people are accustomed to treating problems in their relationships with emotional band-aids. Sex may go flat. Resentment may develop as blaming and criticism become predominant. One or both love partners may be holding back so much anger that the relationship resembles a seething volcano. And yet both may unconsciously conspire to ignore or deny the mounting problems. A shopping spree substitutes for expressing hurt feelings. Fatigue becomes an excuse for a diminished sex life. Work develops into an escape from the problems of living together. And quarreling becomes the mode of maintaining emotional contact without addressing the real issues. Even worse, both singles and couples tend to repeat these emotional mistakes with all the attendant turmoil in their relationships. Freud called this process repetition compulsion, a tendency to unconsciously recreate emotional conflict. It is as if people repeat the same problems in their relationships until they finally force themselves out of desperation to learn key emotional lessons. It is tragic that many troubled couples seek help when it is too late to heal their emotional wounds. Couples typically avoid facing problems in a relationship for the same reasons they avoid sharing their deepest feelings. Fear. The emotional cost of coping honestly with intense feelings often seems too high. Rage, rejection, loss, jealousy, and sexual impotence all may appear overwhelming. Psychological resistance naturally comes into play. If one person takes the initiative to comfort, to confront emotional issues in the relationship, the other person is likely to resist. Typical advances include, I don't have time for this exchange of feelings. Talking about our real feelings won't get us anywhere. This, confronting our real feelings, could destroy our relationship, what we have left. Let's forget it and make the best of what we have and hide from the real problems. When communication in a relationship begins to sour, bigger problems are not far off. The Love Fitness Program helps you avoid or reverse emotional damage that erodes love. The key is to stop repeating emotional mistakes from the past. With this program, you can prevent further problems in a relationship just as a physical fitness program can prevent chronic disease. Of course, it can be difficult to stick to a regimen of physical fitness exercise. Since that same lack of willpower can also limit what you gain out of the Love Fitness program, we have included throughout this book plenty of tips for overcoming resistance and enjoying emotional workouts. The Challenge of Love We know well the trap of ignoring communication problems in a relationship because we almost let it destroy our marriage. Surprised to hear a psychiatrist and psychotherapist making such a statement? We believe it is important to begin this book with the truth about our own marriage because nothing else illustrates so well what the Love Fitness Program is intended to accomplish and how it differs from traditional therapy. Today we have a marriage that is more intimate, passionate, and rewarding than either of us thought possible. People often comment on the overflowing love between us. What they don't realize, however, is the turmoil we went through and the hard work and personal commitment it took to become true life mates. Most of us did not learn much from our parents about how to build a great relationship. 
great love relationship, and we are no exception. You might also be interested to know that very few psychiatry and psychotherapy training programs teach any more about creating great relationships than medical school schools teach about creating peak health and fitness. We had a particularly difficult time addressing the communication problems that developed early in our marriage because we thought our expertise in helping others solve emotional problems should insulate us from our own. As a result, when we began to have serious problems in our marriage, we tried more than most to pretend to our families, friends, and to ourselves that everything was fine. Fortunately, however, we found the strength to face the truth, and out of that experience, we not only achieved a personal breakthrough in our marriage, but also discovered the seeds of the Love Fitness Program that we subsequently developed through work with thousands of clients and seminar participants. Our story is quite ordinary to begin with. When we met 10 years ago, we quickly became enraptured with the magic of romance. The attraction was so strong that we, like almost every romantic couple, believed destiny was unfolding before our eyes and past frustrations were merely stepping stones towards final culmination in this perfect relationship. We spent every moment we could together. Sex was fantastic and our disagreements seemed minor and had natural resolution. We moved in together, sure that we had finally found the perfect lover. What neither of us understood at that time was the enormous challenge of becoming true life mates and creating a relationship that allowed for the full, free, and flowing expression of intimate feelings, good and bad, loving and angry, enthusiastic and depressed, confident and fearful, passionate and bored, nor did either of us truly understand the enormous impact our parents had had simply by way of example on how we handled our own feelings in an intimate relationship. Theoretically, yes, we knew how childhood traumas affected adult psychology, but we hadn't considered how the modeling of communication or non-communication in our parents' marriages impacted our own communication skills and patterns of expressing our feelings. As a result, when the magic of the romance began to wear thin and serious problems emerged, we experienced the same surprise, disappointment, and despair that we had heard time and time again from our clients in similar emotional straits. Our marriage problems and our initial responses were both typical. We quarreled frequently but avoided sitting down to find out why. Syra felt hurt and resentful but didn't make her feelings known. Harold began to feel trapped but found no outlet to vent his frustration. As tension grew in the relationship, sexual passion diminished, and we both struggled to put on a happy face and pretend to one another that we were still soulmates. Little did we know, despite all our training, that we were caught in a repetition compulsion, each of us acting out core conflicts and manipulative habits internalized from our childhood conflicts and our parents' unhappy marriages. Our romantic fantasy was shattered. We were shocked and deeply disappointed. The painful crisis we created would either destroy our marriage or compel us to develop new emotional strengths never learned from our parents' previous relationships or previous psychological training. A brief look into our backgrounds shed light, sheds light on the dynamics of our love crisis. Thank you.
Syra, fleeing the tyrant. My earliest memory was being awakened in the middle of the night by screams and banging in the kitchen. I was three years old. As I ran into the hall, I saw my father holding a large kitchen knife in one hand, my mother by the hair with the other. She was sobbing. Please don't. His eyes were filled with rage as he screamed, You bitch, you deserve it. I remember calling out to her, and he yelled, Get out of here. I'm the oldest girl in an Italian family of seven children. At least three times a month, my mom and dad had violent fights where my mother would come out of her room with a black eye and bruises. I remember one time we children huddled together crying, and my older brother said, I'm going to get back at him someday. I recall myself saying, I hate his guts. I wish he was dead. And my sister sobbing, let's all run away and never come back. My father controlled us with emotional abuse and constant threats, swearing and degrading comments such as stupid, ugly, no good were the norm. I remember him telling me when I was 12, you are nothing and will never amount to anything. Sometimes he disappeared for up to a week in the and in the meantime, we would run out of food. When, he asked for, when we asked for money for school supplies, shoes, and so on, he wouldn't give it to us. In a rare good mood, he would throw a $100 bill on the table and say, go out and buy yourself something. Despite my father's temper, I longed for his love and respect. One night, I heard him hitting my mother, and I couldn't stand it any longer. I ran to him and said, you don't love anyone but yourself. You're selfish and mean, and I hate you. He ripped off the bedpost and struck me with it, saying, I'm going to teach you a lesson you'll never forget. From that time on, I experienced bouts of depression and would lock myself in my room. Eventually, I became self-supporting, and although I withdrew from my family, I found new hope in work, school, and creative endeavors. At 18, I married a man who, unlike my father, was a kind, loving gentleman. Nevertheless, in our 10 years together, Life was an endless struggle, raising two children, attending college, and then completing graduate school. Constantly short on money and time, we often bickered. Unfortunately, we never learned to acknowledge our hurts or release out our anger towards each other. I was afraid of my feelings and yearned to share them, but couldn't. The unfinished business in my relationship with my father finally reared its ugly head. I felt more and more rage but didn't know how to release it. Lacking love fitness skills, we caught in bitter silence. We got caught in bitter silence and grew further and further apart. Eventually our marriage became so painful that we divorced. When I met Harold, I was sure I had left the problems of my past behind me. Little did I know that the tyrant inside my own head would reappear to recreate a new love crisis for me. prisoner of war. In the first year of my life, I received support and nurturance from my mother. We got into serious difficulties, however, when I voiced my first independent thought. Our estrangement grew rapidly. By the time I was in my last year of high school, the rage and hostility between us was overwhelming. I recall feeling more than once, I'm so mad at my mother I could kill her. As a result, I felt very guilty, trapped and frightened by intimate feelings. 
During my childhood, my parents either argued or maintained a hostile silence. The tension was so great that I remember thinking, God, just help me survive now. I'll heal later. When I, while I loved my mother and father, I also resented them for never raising themselves out of the bitterness and mutual contempt. My mother expressed her despair and hopelessness by, one, threatening emotional illness. You're driving me crazy. You're going to give me a nervous breakdown. I'm going to kill myself and it's all your fault. Two, threatening physical illness. I'm going to have a heart attack because you're upsetting me so. I'll probably get ulcers and have to go to the doctor just because you won't listen to me. Threatening Three, threatening disapproval. Wait until the neighbors, your friends, hear about this. God will punish you. If you don't listen to me, you won't have any success in life. And four, guilt-inducing com comments. I gave up everything for you. You don't care about anyone. You're so selfish. If you loved me, you'd do what I want to say. The only reason I stayed with your father was because of you. Years later, despite my psychiatric training at Yale, I still acted like a rebellious child ten minutes after stepping into my mother's home. Even though she had softened over the years and become less controlling, her slightest inquiry would prompt me to yell at her for treating me like a child. Of course, I was still behaving like one. To cope with my mother, my father became depressed, passive, and emotionally withdrawn. Sometimes, however, he would explode in violent rage, screaming out in frustration and shaking his fists. With this model, I grew up perceiving marriage and long-term love relationships as soul-destroying traps. Falling in love was a signal for me to flee rather than face imprisonment in a lifetime of endless demands and a futile struggle to please. I was determined to avoid any situation remotely similar to the ball and chain of my father's distress. I feared that my love relationships would emulate my parents' embittering marriage. Hiding my fears, I took pride in becoming an arrogant, wild, and single Don, Don Juan. My game was typical. If a woman became too close, I would soon find fault with her and quickly move on. While on the surface I felt triumphant for escaping my fears, deep inside I yearned for everlasting love, but was terrified of feeling trapped. When I met Sina, Syra, I was bored with being single, but still highly phobic about marriage. To my surprise, Syra seemed to understand me as no woman had before. Although frightened of the risk, I proposed marriage, because I finally had met a woman I didn't want to lose. Despite my hopes, as our relationship developed, I began to feel trapped, bitter, and resentful. Eventually, I made every attempt to drive Syra away. Although I felt compelled to punish her in order to survive emotionally, I hated myself for hurting her and depriving myself of her love. After we got engaged and set a marriage date, my marriage phobia intensified. In a vain effort to assert my freedom, I contacted old lovers and created a series of affairs. I also started picking fights with Syra and blaming her for making me upset. I literally made Syra's life miserable as I struggled with my compulsive acting out of my own conflicts. A week prior to the wedding, when we went to apply for the marriage license, I created a vicious fight in the parking lot as a last attempt to drive Syra away. Syra finally said that perhaps we should call off the wedding. Feeling helpless and in deep despair, I broke down and cried. 
Syrah comforted me, and we went on with the wedding as scheduled. I thought I had come to grips with my conflicts, but only later did I recognize how much more growth was necessary to create the quality marriage I was desperately seeking. Our love crisis. Our subsequent love crisis grew out of the feelings that we each feared most. Syrah's biggest complaint was feeling dominated and manipulated. Growing up in a household where her where only her father could get angry, Syrah never learned to express her anger and consequently found herself incapable of expressing her needs to Harold. She grew resentful as the major decisions in the relationship seemed always to go to Harold's way. Harold, on the other hand, felt trapped. Having been single for many years, he was accustomed to getting his way and was not particularly open to listening to Syrah. As a result, Syrah began seeing Harold in some ways acting out the worst characteristics of her father, and Harold saw Syrah acting out what he thought to be the most oppressive characteristics of his mother. Anger became a major problem in the relationship. Harold, who had hated the memories of his father flying into a rage with fists raised at his mother, now found himself overwhelmed with similar feelings. To his horror, he felt his marriage was unleashing the same repressed dark forces that in childhood he had witnessed between his mother and father. Syrah, who despised the brutality in her father, now found herself once again cowering in the face of angry outbursts. Just as her mother had been meek and submissive, subservient, neither of us could rise above the old patterns of our quarreling as our quarreling grew more frequent and hostile. It took a major crisis for us to confront the severity of our problems. One afternoon, Syrah had complained that Harold was not paying enough attention to her. For Harold, who had been extremely pressured by clients and speaking engagements, it was the last straw. Almost unconsciously, he found himself screaming at Syrah, fists raised, wanting to destroy not so much her, but the woman controlling him. A repressed image of his mother, Syrah was terrified, having seemingly created a nightmare. All of a sudden, however, she recognized that she was recreating for herself the same timid, compliant stance her mother had always taken. Reaching deep within herself, Syrah found the courage to yell back, I'm not going to take this. Show me the respect I deserve. She too raised her voice and her fists. We were both terrified and stunned. Here we were, the perfect couple, soulmates, now at each other's throats. It is surprising that we didn't recognize the extent of our problems earlier. In retrospect, the signs were everywhere. For example, our bickering had become characterized by constant blaming and complaining, a classic symptom of a relationship in trouble. Whenever one of us felt frustrated, we made it an opportunity to unload on the other. Neither of us was taking responsibility for bringing our own satisfaction and positive energy to the relationship. Rather, we each let ourselves focus on the other's demands, and we both felt we were giving more than we were getting. Sex, too, became a cause for intense anxiety. The passion that we thought would never end disappeared in the face of resentment and rage. Harold was oppressed with the memories of his mother chastising his father for his lack of sexual interest in her. As the relationship deteriorated, Harold became impotent, resentful, 
resentfully fantasizing how great a lover he had been as in Don Juan. His previous love relationships were based on pseudo-intimacy, getting close enough to get a woman for a sexual conquest, but not so close as to reveal genuine feelings. Struggling to please Syrah, he became increasingly angry, depressed, and guilt-ridden. The harder Harold thought he tried, the worse he felt about himself and the relationship. For Syra, the loss of sexual interest made her feel even less powerful in the relationship. Sex, her ability to control through passion, had evaporated. She had learned to use her sexual charms to attract and manipulate Harold. She, was, she used seduction to win affection, admiration, and appreciation. When the sexual energy in the relationship diminished, Syra too felt impotent, but in her case, deeply emotionally impotent. Her power was gone. She felt defeated and hopeless about every about ever changing the relationship. Because of her rage and disappointment, she hardly had the energy to try. Both of us became terribly disheartened about the marriage and even started to talk, to talk about giving up. Our relationship, once made in heaven, had become filled with resentment and pain. We seemed to be acting out some primordial struggle between the sexes, Syra trying to lead Harold into submission and Harold struggling to escape the tender trap. We couldn't go on pretending, so we finally acknowledged that we were creating a relationship that was making us both miserable and that neither of us really knew what true intimacy was all about. Emotional Workouts, The Habits of Love in the midst of this relationship nightmare, we began the search for a light to the guide us out of the hostility and conflict. Although we recognized that we didn't have immediate answers, we at least had the courage to ask questions. Each of us had helped other couples through marital crisis, so we had faith that an honest effort to identify and solve relationship problems was of value in a troubled relationship. What surprised and confused us initially was the very fact that our relationship had become so fraught with tension. Each of us was strong in his and her own right, and there was no doubt that we shared a deep and abiding love. In fact, that is where we began to assess our relationship. We each asked ourselves whether we still loved the other and how much we wanted the relationship to work. On both counts, we got positive answers. From this reaffirmation of our basic commitment, we felt safe enough to conduct an honest evaluation of the relationship and discuss what each of us wanted to change. There also emerged a new concept of what it takes for a relationship to remain passionate and fully rewarding. We later coined the term love fitness to describe this concept. We began an intensive effort to solve the communication problems in a relationship, and over the next 18 months, each of us and our relationship underwent a profound transformation. We didn't start with a detailed analysis of how our parents' marriages influenced our relationship because we knew that intellectual insight alone would not help us make significant changes. Instead, we started by identifying the specific emotional habits we wanted to alter and to develop step-by-step -step exercises to increase emotional strengths and communication skills. For example, we were both caught in the habit of blaming each other for our frustration in the relationship. Once we realized what we were doing, it was obvious that this destructive emotional behavior had to stop. 
We then developed a simple exercise called Heart Talks to achieve this change. We also recognized that Syrah felt defeated about trying to get through to Harold when she was hurt or angry. Again, it was clear that emotional habits on both sides had to change. The emotional workout called Tell Me More helped modify that pattern. Our sex life, once passionate and vibrant, was in real trouble. Performance, anxieties, resentment, and rejection made us feel bored and impotent. So we created several emotional workouts to improve our sexual communication. Here are 10 exercises we have found essential to enjoy a strong and lasting relationship. 1. Tell Me More, Chapter 2, Page 40. 2. Heart Talks, Chapter 3, Page 68. 3. Renewing Your Love, Chapter 3, Page 78. 4. Having an AFFAIR with your spouse, Chapter 4, Page 105. 5. Anger with Heart, Chapter 5, Page 121. 6. Writing the Wrong, Chapter 6, Page 162. 7. Heart Letter, Chapter 6, Page 165. 8. Habits of the Heart, Chapter 7, Page 201. 9. Rephrasing with Love, Chapter 7, Page 215. 10. Transforming Expectations into Preferences, Chapter 7, page 217. These exercises are the core of the Love Fitness Program. As we created these emotional workouts, we developed a new perspective on our work with our clients. Rather than struggle to gain more and more insight as to why a relationship was in trouble, we concentrated on the specific changes each couple wanted and needed to make. Once old communication habits were broken, new ways of experience expressing underlying love began to emerge we found ourselves and our clients that these we found for ourselves and our clients that these emotional workouts created unanticipated benefits for example tell me more helps syra to overcome the timidness and compliance learned from her tyrannical father heart talks allowed harold to overcome his fears of a controlling mother most, most relationships between healthy people fall short of expectations because most people are unprepared for the demands of a deeply loving communication process. They lack either the commitment or the emotional skills to become true life mates. When people initially fall in love, they discover a wide open channel of expression with one another. What people often fail to recognize, however, is that this initial romantic rush of energy and excitement is a phenomenon of contrasts. Soon, couples adapt, emotional habits develop, and the initial energy goes flat. The intense communication of courtship loses vibrancy and becomes routine. The flow of vital information is then limited to the process of loving and the process of loving diminished. Couples perceive this change in the intensity of their emotional communication as falling out of love. Love Fitness, a New Paradigm. We believe that increasing numbers of people are trying to create relationships based on more full and honest communication than they have previously witnessed in their own lives or between their parents. To achieve this goal, it is not enough for men merely to become more sensitive and women more assertive. Relationships often end in disappointment because couples never really examine what is necessary for their love to thrive. 
What often passes for love is a form of infatuation, the desire to find totality in another. From that perspective, disappointment is inevitable as each lover discovers that the other cannot meet expectations. Relationships flourish when couples begin with a commitment to their own growth as individuals and as a couple. Love alone is not enough because love fades in the face of inevitable misunderstandings, small hurts, repressed anger, and resentment. In order to create and sustain a lasting love relationship, you must become skillful communicator in the complex language of emotion. We have coined the term life mates to denote those characteristics of a couple committed to developing those skills and creating a relationship that truly thrives. For us, the journey of becoming life mates has involved a new understanding of love. We have discovered an unprecedented freedom to share our deepest feelings, even hidden fears and dark secrets. We both healed and energized one another as a result. We have learned to support one another in pursuit of our separate goals without fear of competition or a struggle of wills. Each of us has learned to trust our own needs and our mutual commitment to fidelity, intimacy, and honesty. We have also acknowledged that the need to challenge each other regularly. There is no talking each other, taking each other for granted, but instead we regularly savor the mystery of discovering new thoughts, feelings, ideas, and visions that lie within us. We have also learned that becoming life mates is a spiritual adventure of the heart. When love unfolds to unprecedented depths, we believe it awakens the senses, enlivens peak experiences, and opens horizons of psychic powers. By nurturing love, life mates start to feel bonded to the whole of life. This vision of what a relationship can be is not an idealized idealization. Every person has an emotional ability to love, and our own discoveries have been repeated by our clients. The key is developing communication skills necessary to share feelings fully and honestly in a committed relationship. The Love Fitness Program teaches those skills and are, that are essential for a lasting relationship to truly flourish. The Love Fitness Program begins with three building blocks. The first is recognizing that almost everyone is out of shape when it comes to the process of loving. We introduced this idea earlier, but it is worth re-examining in more detail. It has become commonplace to hear complaints about how men are incapable of sustaining relationships or communicating feelings. The fact is, men and women are equally out of shape when it comes to the process of loving. They each possess certain emotional strengths and communication skills, but lack others that are critical to vibrant love relationship generalities in this regard are not very helpful. Rather, to become life mates, each person must acknowledge the emotional habits that may be impending communication skills and practice key emotional workouts to develop new skills. Second, just as modern medicine has come to recognize degrees of health, Love Fitness Program recognizes that the quality of love relationship also varies. The goal of the Love Fitness Program is not just to cope with problems, but rather to develop strengths in heart-to-heart -heart communication that can make the relationship terrific. The Love Fitness Program can prevent needless and emotionally draining conflicts, divorce, or young children growing up alienated from you, just as physical workouts help avoid the problems of fatigue, obesity, and disease. 
Third, the Love Pro Fitness Program involves an ongoing process of development for you and your relationship. Love Fitness is not a state you achieve once and for all any more than once and for all any more than physical fitness is everlasting. Rather, Love Fitness requires an ongoing commitment to the growth and continued development of a relationship. A lasting love relationship will inevitably involve emotional crises associated with ordinary life events, the birth and raising of children, career successes and failures, illnesses and deaths of parents or loved ones, children growing up and moving away, retirement. All of these events are made sweeter or at least more bearable by the sharing of love. Yet each of these events presents new challenges to sustaining the flowing heart-to-heart -heart communication necessary to keep love vibrant. The Love Fitness Program is a lifelong undertaking to generate intangible rewards of the heart that will vastly exceed the efforts required. There are certain additional parallels worth noting between the Love Fitness Program and a physical fitness program. First and foremost, the Love Fitness Program is intended to develop emotional strength. Too many people feel defeated and discouraged about their ability to create a vibrant love relationship. The emotional workouts we describe are aimed at establishing, enabling each person in a relationship to take 100% responsibility for the quality of the relationship. Blaming and complaining are out. The Love Fitness Program also develops emotional grace, the ability to accept your lover's strengths and limitations. The intense enjoyment of true heart-to-heart -heart communication replaces the idealized effort to make your life mate into something he or she is not. The Love Fitness Program also develops emotional vitality. If you are bored in your relationship, one of the problems may be that you have let yourself become boring. The same holds true for your lover. We describe emotional workouts to escape from the trap. Finally, the Love Fitness Program develops emotional agility and timing. You learn when to confront or when to hold back and how to express strong feelings such as anger or rage in an effective rather than destructive way. We use the fitness analogy to explain our approach to improving relationships because it best summarizes both the theoretical approach and the practical benefits of our program. Naturally, we do not claim to have developed the Love Fitness Program anew. Our approach represents a distillation of certain psychological exercises that stem from dramatic developments in modern psychology. A revelation has occurred in psychology over the past decade, uh, equivalent perhaps to the potential of the microchip in the impacts of the quality of modern living. At the core of this revolution is the discovery that the old model of psychology, psychological growth, that is, constantly focusing on past traumas and emotional injuries is not beneficial for most people. What they really need is insight into which patterns of feelings, thoughts, and actions are not serving them well, and then learning new psychological skills to correct those habits. This approach requires a new mode of understanding, personal growth, and psychological change, one that is better compared to a fitness program than to psychotherapy. In the old model, a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist is popularly known as a shrink. In the new model, the more appropriate term would be a stretch, a psychological coach or guide assisting people to stretch their psychological cap 
capacities to love and be loved. The Myths of Personal Growth In creating the Love Fitness Program, we uncovered five basic myths about psychotherapy and personal growth, each of which can make the whole process unnecessarily laborious and complicated. Shattering these myths is the first step to taking full charge of your love fitness. Myth 1. Psychological growth is a mysterious process of gaining insight. Perhaps the most common myth about psychological growth is that it is intricate, unconscious, and mysterious. We never cease to be amazed at how persuasive, pervasive the idea has become that psychological growth requires a search for repressed childhood traumas that, when recognized, will bring sudden insight and transformation. For most people, psychological development just does not happen that way. This myth is often destructive because it reinforces a magical expectation that the relationship problems can be solved through a search for the holy grail of in-depth psychological insight. The fact is that poor modeling rather than emotional trauma is responsible for most problems in the relationship. Whether the issue is an inability to make a commitment, express anger, or reveal intimate feelings, the problem can be traced to poor emotional habits developed during childhood. Few people have grown up in families where the basic communication skills necessary for creating vibrant love relationships were modeled. Most people with problems in their love relationships are basically mature and emotionally healthy. We have described our own story to emphasize the point that a love crisis can happen to anyone. The problem is usually not some deep psychological disorder, but rather a simple lack of emotional strengths and communication skills necessary for a sustained, passionate love relationship. There is some good news and some bad news in this new model of personal development. The good news is that the whole process involves self-education and regular emotional workouts that can be entirely under your control. The bad news is that you must surrender the myth that your relationship will start working with one or two blazing insights from a magical therapist. You have to take responsibility for acquiring the information you need and practicing emotional workouts regularly to develop new emotional strengths and communication skills. By doing so, you will discover that deep psychological insight does not have to precede behavior change. On the contrary, behavior change most often precedes greater insight. The whole process can thus excel be accelerated and you can look back and see why and how you were locked into emotional patterns that were not beneficial. Myth two. Psychological development requires lengthy investigation to reveal what's wrong. One of the most dangerous myths about psychological development is that a person is merely deep, more deeply and thoroughly served through three or four sessions of psychotherapy a week. The fact is that such a practice is just as likely to be destructive as it is to be helpful. For most people, a lengthy examination of their personal problems just makes them more preoccupied with those problems and reinforces a fear that there is something deeply wrong with them. Throughout this book, we emphasize a key principle about psychological development. What you put your attention on in life grows stronger. For example, if you place attention on success rather than failure, your self-esteem will grow stronger. Similarly, placing attention on negative feelings you may have about yourself or problems 
you may have in your love relationship are likely to cause those bad feelings and problems to dominate your awareness. Spend enough time ruminating about these problems and you are likely to convince yourself and your love partner there is something deeply wrong with you. The more you think there is something deeply wrong, the more your problems will persist. Low self-esteem decreases your capacity to love and be loved, thus perpetuating the vicious cycle. This is not to say, however, that no diagnosis of relationship problem is necessary. Developing love fitness does require that you assess the emotional habits, beliefs, and attitudes that are ineffective or disabling to you. We have included brief quizzes to help you do so in each chapter. Such self-assessment will help you identify the emotional workouts that are most appropriate to your needs. Of course, we also are not saying that insight into your past is without value. Our point is simply that there will always be reasons why you've developed emotional habits that don't serve you, and an, involunt in and an inventory of reasons alone will not help empower you to change. In the Love Fitness Program, we focus your attention primarily on stretching, expanding your emo emotional strengths and intimacy skills. Myth three, the right therapist or seminar will provide all the answers. The boom in psychotherapy and personal development seminars has created a new myth. Some people seem to believe that if they just keep hopping from one psychotherapist or personal growth seminar to another, they will eventually find the one who gives them the ultimate key to happiness. On the one hand, competent therapy and good seminars can be valuable. On the other hand, becoming a therapy or seminar junkie reinforces the myth that someone else can do it for you. The Love Fitness Program is based on the premise that the greatest therapy therapist lies within. You are no doubt aware of your body's enormous physical regenerative abilities. Think of healing energy in your body mobilizes to mend a broken bone. That same healing regenerative capacity exists emotionally. With the emotional workouts we describe, you put your psychological capacity for growth in high gear. Exercising your emotions can have the same broad beneficial effects as exercising your body. A fundamental premise of the Love Fitness Program is that no one can change your emotional habits but you. Even the most highly skilled therapist, seminar leader, or best-selling book can only assist in identifying what emotional habits are not serving you and suggest appropriate skills and exercises to learn new emotional communication skills. Ultimately, you and you alone are responsible for your personal development. In some cases, this responsibility means finding the right therapist or consultant. You don't have to look for an earth mother or wise father, and you don't have to spend years in therapy first creating and then unraveling a dependency on your therapist. You may wish to find a therapist who will briefly and effectively, yet compassionately, be your guide. In chapter six, we discuss how to choose such a therapist. Myth four, you will be happy and successful when therapy is finally over. Many people go into psychotherapy thinking, I'll be happy when... They expect they will finally be happy or have it all together when the therapeutic process is over. This attitude often leads 
to years of effort with few results. People wind up talking about their problems for months and even years as if their last session will they will be awestruck with wisdom and the power to change. The Love Fitness program utilizes a dramatically different approach. Personal growth takes place naturally in steady increments. We instruct our clients to look for progress in every session as well as throughout the emotional workouts they practice on their own. So too, in reading this book, you should find value on each page and see steady progress in your practice as you practice the various emotional workouts that comprise the Love Fitness program. Myth five, psychological growth involves a labor of pain and turmoil. None of the myths about psychological growth is more damaging than this one. People, many people will be afraid to try the emotional workouts we described because they believe that challenging their emotional status quo may involve pain or the risk of unacceptable emotional turmoil. The Love Fitness program will go a long way towards shattering this myth once and for all. Physical fitness workouts can involve some pain, but they can also be a source of fun, excitement, energy, and even pleasure. So too, many of the emotional workouts that constitute the Love Fitness program will help, will be enjoyable. They will expand your emotional horizons, help you gain new perspective on yourself and your life mate, and enable you to get in touch with greater sexual energy and passion. When we work with clients, one of our principal objectives is to help them lighten up about the problems in their lives. Most people take themselves far too seriously. With a little perspective and humor, they can find solutions to relationship problems that seem insurmountable. The Love Fitness program is intended to be fun and enjoyable. You should find many of the workouts not only challenging and informative, but also entertaining. Your enlightenment will naturally unfold as your emotional heaviness becomes much lighter. How fit for love are you? Quiz one. The place to begin the love fitness program is with a self-assessment. Just as testing that at the outset of a physical fitness program is helpful in understanding your current level of physical fitness and where you need to emphasize, the initial evaluation in your love fitness program is helpful in assessing your current emotional strengths and communication skills. With the following quiz, you will learn how your feelings, attitudes, and behaviors affect the quality of your love relationship. You will also receive feedback on where you can benefit to develop greater love fitness. Consider each of the following statements. Mark each statement true or false as it applies to you. One, my self-esteem has increased since being in this relationship. Two, I can freely accept, express my need for private time. Three, I seem to confide more in friends than in my love partner. Four, I'm not afraid to let my lover see me cry. Five, I sometimes feel bullied or manipulated by my love partner. Six, revealing my innermost feelings is easy for me. Seven, when I'm upset, I tend to blame my lover. Eight, I feel my love partner truly understands and appreciates me. Nine, I get upset when my lover criticizes my shortcomings. 10, 
I tend to be overly critical or short-tempered with my love mate. 11. I frequently feel upset or angry with things my partner has said or done. 12. I drink excessively, use drugs, or overeat to mask my negative feelings. 13. I am responsive and supportive when my love partner shows signs of vulnerability or insecurity. 14. I often compare my lover unfavorably with other people, less attractive, less sensitive, less successful, etc. 15. I do not depend on my love partner for constant approval or validation. 16. I feel guilty when my lover feels unhappy, disappointed, or hurt. 17. I have forgotten my love partner. I have forgiven my love partner for the times he or she has hurt me. 18. I experience great sexual excitement and passion in my love relationship. 19. I often feel my lover's barriers go up when I'm emotionally vulnerable. 20. I spend too much time working on and fixing my relationship. 21. It irritates me that I'm the one who always has to suggest an intimate dinner or romantic weekend. 22. I enjoy sharing my sexual fantasies with my love partner. 23. My lover and I make all major decisions together. 24. As a relationship continues, I tend to feel bored, disillusioned, or trapped. 25. I'm afraid to assert myself because of my love partner's temper. 26. I would feel comfortable revealing anything about my past to my love partner. 27. It is difficult for me to give criticism to my lover. 28. In a love quarrel, I am not inclined to give up in frustration. 29. I don't like to admit it, but sometimes I talk down to or patronize my lover. 30. When differences emerge, I'm afraid of being abandoned, rejected, or disapproved of. 31. I feel comfortable asking my love partner for what I truly want and need. 32. My love partner is also my best friend, whom I can always count on. Now go back over the questions and give yourself one point for each true response to questions 1, 2, 4, 6, 8, 13, 15, 17, 18, 22, 23, 26, 28, 31, and 32. Give yourself another point for each false response to questions 3, 5, 7, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 16, 19 through 21, 24, 25, 27, 29, and 30. Add up your score. Here is a summary to help you interpret your results. 0 through 8. You're probably feeling a good deal of frustration in your relationship. You have obvious difficulty expressing and accepting intimate feelings. You may experience substantial personal growth by working through the exercises in this book. It may also be useful to seek the support of a psychotherapist or a marriage and family counselor to assist you in this process. 9 through 16. Most people score in this range. Relatively low scores are indicative of how badly out of shape the majority of us are at expressing and receiving love. When it comes to love fitness, it's as if we're all on a junk food diet and have sedentary, stressful jobs. If you've had any experience with 
the joys of developing physical fitness, you know how rewarding a regular program of physical workouts can be. So too, if you take the time to practice the exercises in this book, you are likely to discover the joys and rewards of increasing your fitness for love. 17 through 24. Your fitness for love is above average. In some areas, you may be afraid to express your feelings. In others, you may be unable to respond with sufficient support to your partner. Focus on relevant chapters of this book will be particularly helpful. 25 through 32. You are enjoying a very high level of love fitness. You're comfortable expressing and receiving intimate feelings. You enjoy loving and being loved, but you're also independent. You can be open and vulnerable, but also enjoy expressing your strengths. How fit for love is your relationship? Quiz two. This test is aimed at assessing the love fitness of your relationship. In answer to each quest of the following 25 questions, give yourself one, two, three, or four points. One equals rarely, two equals sometimes, three equals often, and four equals almost always. If you are not currently in a relationship, answer the questions on the basis of your last significant relationship. The Roman numeral coding in parenthesis is explained at the end of the quiz. One. Are you comfortable with your lover's anger? Numeral five. Two, do you accept your love partner fully without trying to change him or her? Numeral seven. Three, when it comes to major decisions about careers, children, and lifestyle, do you feel like a true partner? True partners. Numeral seven. Number four, have you Overcome fears of being trapped by a committed love relationship or marriage. Numeral six. Five. Can you create laughter, fun, and play in your lovemaking? Numeral four. Six. Are you comfortable saying no to your lover? Numeral five. Seven. Are you good at letting your lover know when you feel neglected? Numeral two. Eight. Do you trust your partner's loyalty and sexual fidelity? Numeral four. Nine, are you able to express feelings of jealousy without feeling, fearing how your love partner will react? Numeral two. 10, is your lovemaking tender and exciting? Numeral four. 11, do you have an open, intimate conversations with your lover? Numeral three. 12, are you good at receiving criticism from your lover? Numeral two. 13, can you let down your barriers and bear your soul with your life mate? Numeral three. 14. Can you share your insecurities and failures as openly as your strengths and victories? Numeral three. 15. Do you feel free of resentment and bitterness towards your love partner? Numeral six. 16. Do you and your lover know how to quarrel and settle disputes effectively? Numeral five. 17. Do you feel that your love partner is also a close friend? Numeral three. 18. Can you express anger appropriately and constructively? Numeral five. 19. Would your love partner join you in counseling at your request?
numeral six. 20. Have you learned to truly forgive your lover for those times when he or she may have deeply hurt you? Numeral six. 21. Can you listen receptively to accusations, anger, and hurt without feeling rejected or becoming defensive? Numeral two. 22. Do you respect your love partner's work, values, and opinions? Numeral seven. 23. Can you and your lover be sexually free, spontaneous, and unpredictable? Numeral four. 24. Do you feel understood, nurtured, and cared for by your love partner? Numeral two. 25. Do you feel supported by your life mate in achieving your goals? Numeral seven. Now add up your score. 85 to 100. Your relationship is in great shape. You and your lover trust and respect one another. You know how to both clo be both close and autonomous. Your emotional exchange is excellent and you are enjoying a high level of love fitness. 70 to 84. Your love relationship is in good shape, but there's no reason not to raise the quality of your relationship to a peak level of fitness. 55 to 69. Your love relationship is probably of average or below average fitness. It's starting to get flabby and may already be quite out of shape. You may not notice it yet, but there's a significant risk that bigger problems will emerge in the relationship. You've got basically two choices. You can put up with a flabby, out of shape love relationship and hope problems don't arise, or you can work to create a high level of love fitness. 40 to 54. Your relationship is badly out of shape. You can't count on getting by without making some improvements. The likelihood is that your relationship will only deteriorate unless you take action now. While you start with the exercises in this book, you might also benefit from a therapist or counselor who could assist you and your lover in making a focused effort to increase your love fitness. 25 to 39. Crisis. The relationship has deteriorated to the point where it's unlikely that you can solve the problems you face on your own. We recommend that you find an excellent therapist or marriage counselor to assist you in taking appropriate action immediately. The Roman numeral that follows each question refers to the chapter in which these issues are discussed. By reviewing these questions, those questions answered with a one or two, you can see where you need the most exercise and practice and which chapters in parentheses deserve special attention. Who can benefit from this book? The Love Fitness Program has proved enormously valuable already to thousands of people. We have had seminar participants tell us that learning these emotional workouts has been worth thousands of dollars in therapy. This book has been written for anyone who wishes to learn more about how to create and sustain a vibrant, deep, deeply rewarding love relationship. Most of the emotional workouts are intended to be practiced by couples. You do not, however, have to be currently in a relationship to find value in the Love Fitness Program. The exercises will help you attract and sustain a new, more deeply satisfying love relationship. Many of the emotional workouts can also be practiced by, with a close friend to yield great results. This book can be extremely helpful for a couple, whether married or simply in a committed relationship, to solve an impending love crisis. Anyone who has gone through the pain of a broken heart knows the suffering involved. 
Unfortunately, in many cases, couples who deeply love one another give up out of frustration or a feeling of defeat. The relationship falls out, fails out of fear and lack of effort to change. Each person later regrets the loss. When we look back and realize that we almost lost our own marriage and the opportunity to create a love beyond our greatest expectations, we are both deeply thankful for the Love Fitness Program. We have found the Love Fitness Program to be a breakthrough for ourselves and our clients in four principal ways. First, it provides a model, a step-by-step -step way out of the emotional pit of fear, anger, and hopelessness of a love relationship in trouble. Second, it develops specific emotional strengths and communication skills in areas where you may feel genuinely uncomfortable or incompetent. It helps you learn how to deal with intense feelings such as anger, jealousy, and disapproval. Third, it provides specific exercises to produce results on a daily basis. There is nothing like tangible emotional success to increase your confidence in yourself and your love relationship. The emotional workouts are designed to generate passionate, um, generate personal relationship breakthroughs that soon build to great adventures of the heart. Fourth, one of the great benefits of the Love Fitness Program is prevention. This book should therefore be of tremendous value to any couple considering marriage. The Love Fitness Program will assist you in exploring your relationship more deeply before making a further commitment. If you are in a quality love relationship already, the exercises will help you to sustain and enrich it. Anyone who reads this book is likely to respond differently. Everyone who reads this book is likely to respond differently. Some exercises and ideas may seem more directly useful than others. In working your way through this book, find whatever seems most useful and truthful and then use it and use it well. If a particular emotional workout is inappropriate to your needs at the present, set it aside for now. You can trust the therapist within you. By putting these strategies and techniques into practice, you will discover the keys to creating, sustaining, or renewing a great love relationship with your life mate.